On today's show, the Hawks are prepping for a series that begins on Saturday in Boston, and I'll be joined by old friend, fan favorite, Tower Jones, is back on the podcast. All that and more. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1451 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Wednesday evening into Thursday. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. And if you're looking for the perfect fit in the motor vehicle space, eBay Motors is the place to go ahead and do that. Stay in the game with eBay guaranteed fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And with that said, I am joined on today's podcast by old friend, the most frequently requested person on this podcast always. I got one last night, immediately after the game. Like, when's Tyler coming back? Well, the answer is right now. Tyler, hello. So, Brad, I, I, I got to start off with the obvious question. Who, who, who the Falcons picking at eight? Uh, I, I was prepared for Braves talk. I was not prepared for Falcons talk. Uh, can't talk the, Braves, about the Falcons are going to do something that's not smart. So, let's, I don't know, running back? Bijan season? <laughs> the, the next Derrick Henry. Oh my goodness! Your guy, your guy Arthur Smith, going to replicate the Tennessee offense? Is that what we're going for? Yeah, you know, you already have the best running back in the NFL, rookie running back in the NFL. Why not pair him with the next season's best running back? In the NFL? <laughs> Got to have multiple well, running backs, multiple tight ends. That's how you score points in the NFL. That's at least that's that's what I'm hearing. I, you know, I, I haven't been watching football like I used to, but. I think yeah, I think we're on top of things there. Uh, all right, we're off to we're off to a rousing start. Um, okay, so I, I do have to. Say, there's one bit of news now. You you know you already know what this is, but for people listening to the podcast, I almost did it without you, but you're here. The schedule is out for the series against Boston, so we we know when the games are going to be happening. First one we already knew it's Saturday. Then it's Tuesday, game two in Boston, and the home games are Friday the 21st and Sunday the 23rd in Atlanta. From there, it gets off the rails and becomes TPD, of course, because only the first four games are guaranteed. But uh, all prime time after game one, uh, there's an NBA TV game sprinkled in there. But uh, the folks at Bally are back for the playoff series. So people did not like listening to the national broadcast. I got a lot of feedback about that on Tuesday. Bally's back for round one. So there you go. Dial it in. Bob and Neek for the home team. Yeah, um... I don't know where to start though, Brad. Cause like that was a satisfying win. Like, ah, man, that was one of the most satisfying win, not just because of how the Hawks played, but because it was against the Miami Heat. And I uh, don't did you see did, did you see Quinn's? Did you see the video that the Hawks put out about uh Quinn's locker room speech after the game? Uh so, with the F bomb muted? Yeah, yeah. Multiple the, the, times? Yeah. So number one, <laughs> I, I love I love that. Now that's you know, just for to pull the curtain back. Obviously, they can't ever show the whole thing. So, like, they have to be kind of selective. He did swear uh, in the video. So, if you don't like that, don't watch it. But it is um, muted. It is muted. If it's kind of muted, but you can tell what he says. Anyway, uh, he even like, he didn't run from it. It wasn't like a let's get the next one. It was like basically saying that was a hell of a win. Like, but more demonstrative. Great win. And it was. I mean, you know, you know me. I'm not the most effusive guy in the world, but like, I came on. I, I, I jumped on with Kevin and Glenn last night too, and I was like, guys, they, they just played. They played great. I mean, they really did. Like, to win that game and not shoot well, 
like and win it decisively, like missing free throws and missing all your threes, and you win it going away. If they have a decent shooting game, they won by twenty five. It was it was it yeah. was stark. Like I just wasn't expecting that. Not that they couldn't win. I, I mean, I I got some grief from Hawks fans today because I I picked Miami to win the game if I had to choose a team because like they were favored in the game and playing at home. Like the Hawks were the first team ever to win the the seven eight game as the eight seed. So it wasn't like I was out on a limb picking Miami, but I did say I would have taken the Hawks to keep it close at the very at the very least, and like they played great. I mean, I don't. Obviously, we can talk about what happened, but you know, you're, you're obviously you're a fan, and like it did feel like people were a little bit more uh, juiced up because it was Miami. Is that is that the sentiment you're passing along? Was a little bit extra because it was Miami? I can't speak for other people. I only speak for myself because uh, you know Miami's one of the glamour is a glamour franchise in the NBA, um, and. We always get to hear about heat culture, heat culture, heat culture. And apparently heat culture is getting out-rebounded by, what, 30? They got, what was it, like 62 to 33 or something like that? Like, just absolutely manhandled. I, You know, I, I did enjoy that. Um, very naked game, uh, if you think about it. Just they won the possession battle by getting more rebounds. They didn't turn the ball over. And they shot more than the heat. So, like. I was very um, old fashioned from the Hawks. Granted, like the, to me, I mean, uh, you guys talked about eight. On, if you want a real recap about the game last night, eighteen on twenty nine is pretty good because. Well, lost on Hawks, man. I mean, I mean, because it's like I'm, I'm like it'd be rehashing the same point. It'd be like, okay, well, you know, Hawks executed. I mean, I, one thing I will say is like, I feel like that felt like a game where. At the point of attack, the Hawks were really executing defensively as a team to stop teams from to, to stop the Heat from getting uh, to their spots to get dribble penetration to get middle. Like it was a team effort. Like, and that's that's defense in the NBA today. Like you're not no one defender is going to stop somebody one on one consistently in the NBA. It's a like you got to have help. You got to have people being aware where each other are and like it was so nice to see this hawks team communicate with each other and like really scheme the heat out of what they wanted to do like they took they took away jimmy butler's bread and butters like you know uh and a, a lot of that you know a lot of that goes to the just individual players not biting on pump fakes not biting on the grifts that you know even though butler got 11 free throws i mean still you know they limited they I felt like the Hawks limited what Jimmy could do on the floor and how he could impact offensively. And that really helped because like the rest of the like the rest of the Heat offensively aren't they just aren't that dynamic outside of maybe Tyler Hero. Um but and like you know Tyler Hero's okay, but like he's not he's not a shot creator the way Jimmy Butler can drive an offense. And uh, you know, it was it was odd to see Kyle Lowry bring it back to 2019 uh for him, but uh yeah, that was basically I, 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 it. I, I really cannot wait till he retires. I am. Well, there Glenn, uh, our, our mutual friend Glenn uh, is probably the lowest in the world on Kyle Lowry. So he had, he had a tough one last night. But no, it's to your point earlier, like, you know, I never want to go too crazy about game plans. It's the NBA players have to execute, but they had a great game plan too. Like Quinn and the staff, like credit to them. They were ready to play Miami and this different version of Miami. I mean, not to, I'm not trying to downplay what the Hawks did. But this is not the same team Miami had a year ago. It's not the same team. Like they're not that. They're just not that good. I think the Hawks knew that. 
I think Alex basically treated them like they weren't that good in preparation. It was like we respect Jimmy, we respect we respect Bam, and the rest of you guys. Like we're not worried about you, and that's the way they kind of approached it. And that's the right it's the right move. It's kind of not the exact same way. It's kind of what the Heat did to the Hawks last year with Trey, where like they were just not going to let Trey beat them, and there's no way that was going to happen, and it worked. And Jimmy had a bad game for Jimmy. Like, you know, I should say Jimbo in your honor since you call him Jimbo Jim. all the time. Yep, Jimbo. Uh, our guy Jim, like he didn't play that well. And if he the, – the way that that game would have been closer or the Miami might have snuck, snuck out of there with a win is if Jimmy had had a great game. And he didn't. And Bam was ordinary. Like, he was fine but didn't play great either. And, like, the way they played that game, Jimmy would have had to have 40, honestly. Yeah, he, he would he would have to have 40, and he had to get to the free throw line, like, way more than – even even though he shot 11 – again, he shot 11. Well, he, he, did, he did in the first quarter, and then they stopped fouling. I mean, to the Hawks' credit, they stopped fouling after the first quarter. And they, I think they only allowed 11 or 12 the rest of the game. I think it was 8 or 9 in the first quarter, and then that was, that was really st- – like, 20, free throws, 20, 20 attempts allowed in the game is excellent. So they, like, to the Heat team, yeah, that were yeah. – you know, that – that's all Kyle Lowry has. I mean, granted, he was making shots. I, I'm going to stick to Kyle Lowry for a bit. <laughs> Why do referees not see what he's obviously doing? I, I really don't understand. That's the that's the thing that irks me. The man's been in the league for like 15 plus years or however. like It might be less than that. But like, he's just a grifter. And... If a guy runs into him and he falls down, you got to assume he's like tugging at somebody, causing the contact. I don't know. I'm I, I really can't wait for that man to retire. Like that's the one player I can't stand in the NBA, and uh, I really appreciate that the Hawks, even though he went off. Like I really appreciate like Jalen Johnson just constantly snagging offensive rebounds against him, and then Kyle Lowry turn around and be like, "Whose man is that?" I was like, "It's kind of yours, old man," but uh. <laughs> So yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy he's gone. Um, sad for Jim. Jimmy's wasting his time with this Heat team because they aren't very talented. I, I mean, okay. that, it, it, the, the the one thing I will say because like it is weird that the Hawks were such underdogs across like the NBA lines, landscape. When I'm like, I mean, I, I get the Hawks have been inconsistent. But, like they're so much more talented than this Heat team. Well, and you, here's actually, I want to get back to this in a second. So I'm going to go to a break real fast. I have a question to ask you about that exact same thing. So hold on tight. We'll be, back, we'll be right back. More with Tyler. First word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. And for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit for you. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. And so the next time you look to buy parts or accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part of your need, every part that you actually need fits right. And so the first time around, just add your ride to my garage, look for the green check to know the port will be actually fitting for you or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home and win when the right parts are absolutely guaranteed. Get the right parts for you, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. One more time, that is ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, to what we were talking about before, the talent level thing, because I think you're 100% right. And I, I'm not sure I drove this home enough last night, so I want to make sure we do it now. Even if you thought, let's say, line up, you know, one versus one, two versus two, whatever. Let's say nationally, I think a lot of people will probably pick Jimmy and Bam over 
let's say Trey and DeJounte as, the, as your one and two, right? You, you may not, but given their track record, I think people would mostly pick Jimmy and Bam. Yeah, because they've been on national TV more. That, that Correct. That, that, that has a lot to do with it. Jimmy's playoff stuff, all that stuff. Anyway, forget about that for a second. Even if I, yeah, I'm, I'm more on your side. From three to ten, or th- let's, let's say three to nine, the Hawks only played nine guys last night. Do the Heat have a single advantage, player for player? I would argue no. And now, great, I'm lower on Tyler Hero. I am not a Tyler Hero guy. He's their third best player. Maybe you could say he's the next guy. I, I wouldn't go there. But, like, the Hawks are just, to your point, much more talented than Miami. Now, the reason why, to your question about why they weren't favored or why, why it was so – it's because the Hawks have been so maddeningly middling this year. It obviously is a track record thing. Like, Miami, I, I, I've been low on, all, on them all year. I think, I'm, I think I'm right, honestly, at this point about Miami. But people hadn't figured out that Miami's not Miami anymore. That's number one. Number two, it's in Miami. That does matter. That's a few points either way. And then – the Hawks are just like, for all the jokes, they've earned the the, the, the mid label. They, they've been that team this year. Now, not, should they be? No, they're better than Aside that on talent, Brad, but that's what they've been. Aside, Brad, I appreciate you saying mid. I'm, I'm glad I got that out of you. But uh, I, I I tried to I tried to not use it because everybody does. Like you know, every time that like me or Wes Morton post one of those like here's how mid the Hawks are, everybody's like mid 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 mid. I'm like, all right, I got to figure out a different word. But um, yeah, it's, it's they kind are of that, that's what they've been. They, yeah, they just been that. And they and like it, it, it's one of those things that I, I think I've consistently tweeted about this. I'm like, since Quinn's taken over, like the Hawks have been playing better. It yeah. just hasn't shown up on the record. Like the Hawks had a tough schedule in the season. One and two, they're playing it like they're slowly trying. They they were very clearly changing the way they play defense. Like I feel like that was very obvious, and they there were some real growing pains. But like, they don't have that. They don't have that defensive performance if they don't have the twenty plus games that Quinn Snyder has been in place, uh, where they they they've completely changed how they're going to defend. You know, teams now. Like it's more, like it's more what he did in Utah. Like to me, that game, that game defensively in particular was very reminiscent of how the Utah Jazz used to defend teams in the NBA where, you know, it's not individual, not one individual talent defensively outside of Gobert, you know, Gobert, the monster that he was. But it was a lot on the perimeter, guys just executing the scheme, executing the game plan and being, you know, five, you know, five guys on a string playing with with each other, you know, instead of being like individual parts trying to trying to take over a game. And also, I think a a big, a humongous X factor, like it can't go, like just being able to get 14 minutes out of Jalen Johnson in the way he just, I mean, he kind of destroyed the, like it was yeah. Jalen without Bam, like the, the Heat had no chance when Bam well, was. You're, you're right. The, the crazy thing about that is, you know, I've had this funny back and forth with some Hawks fans, Andrew Kelly, a, a couple of other people, like, some of the some of the Jalen stuff has gotten out of control. I think it's on purpose. Like the LeBron comparisons, the Magic Johnson, the Ben Simmons with a jumper. That it's become fu- it's funny to me. I'm not worried about it. I but mean, like, ben, ben Simmons with a jumper is a bit of a stretch. He's Ben Simmons who's willing to shoot. Uh, sure, he's not. Yeah. Anyway, we all know like it's a little Look, bit funny, and also Jalen's Jalen's upside is real. So it's not like no one's saying it's not. But like it was funny to me because obviously Hawks fans. I've noticed this for a while. He's been playing every game for a few weeks, 
um, maybe even longer than that now. And like the flashes are clear. And he had a couple of plays that were maddening, like some rookie moments last night, but he made so many other plays. It didn't matter. And it was just funny to see like the people nationally, they were like, wait, Joe Johnson's playing. Like even people that I think are smart that obviously I've not been watching the Hawks the last few weeks and like, wait, Joe Johnson's like firmly playing. Cause you know, when he checked in, I wasn't surprised. But it wasn't like a hundred percent lock he was going to play. I thought he was going to. I thought there was always a chance they might go to eight, but like he's going to play. And then, but it was like people were surprised how much he played and how look how good he looked. I'm like, look, the flashes are not surprising at, at this point. Like yeah. he's done this for a while. The next step for him is getting it all to come into place consistently, consistently using his talent and all that stuff. We kind of know that. But you're right. I mean, he. I don't want to go crazy about it, but he was really really good in that sample size it was a small sample but like the bench as it has been for a while yeah, has been awesome like and Akong was really good i thought bay who didn't shoot it that well played really well last night he did a lot of little things well he was, he was physical um and then bogey's i mean we talked about it a million times but like when bogey's got it going at all they're just different and he didn't shoot it great but like he had a, he had the dunk like he was just he was moving well and he has to be guarded like you if you watch the tape back and i have Miami's guarding Bogey differently than everybody else on the floor. Have to, yeah. Including Bay, including Bay, who's a good shooter, obviously. But like, they're flying to Bogey in a way that, like, and that's that's the right decision for Miami. But it's a good reminder that like Bogey gets guarded like that. Like, obviously Trey does too, but Trey's just it's a different animal. But that's why at least part of why Bogey's so important is that he's the one guy that's a fire drill for for, for other teams. Like, he he gets guarded that way. And like a big a big factor of the Hawks sustaining their effort level all throughout the game is they you know the depth of the front court front court, you know Bam has to play forty one for the Heat to have a chance. The Hawks can play Capella twenty eight minutes. Capella and they had foul not- trouble last night. Like Hunter Hunter and Collins both had foul trouble. It didn't matter mm-hmm. because because they had other guys to go to. And Hunter, I think that like, I think even you said it, which was shocking. You admitted DeAndre Hunter being off the court was was bad for the Hawks last night. But but also like being able to go He's to good. Bay and Jalen. Was great. I mean, because you know, Collins it almost got underplayed. Collins got the Keith Bogans in the first half last night. He played like six minutes, got two fouls, and never came back in. And it wasn't that big of a deal, like because they had guys to go to. And once he was not in foul trouble anymore, he played a lot more in the second half. Played really well. He got flowers from us anyway about the way he covered Jimmy. But like they don't, they suddenly don't have weaknesses. And to go back to February. What do we talk about? You and I, all online, offline, their biggest problem, arguably, other than maybe perimeter defense, was the fact that they did not have any depth. And now they're healthy, number one. And with Bay, they have nine guys. Like, there's no weak point in the rotation anymore. I mean, to have somebody in reserve like A.J. Griffin where there's not many. He's not even playing. The Miami Heat, the Miami Heat would have – what – what uh I'm pretty sure Eric Spoelstra would have gave his right leg for somebody like AJ Griffin to just throw out there for, uh, you know, spacing and athleticism on defense. And they can scheme them up defensively, you know, with the heat, with their defensive scheme. Like he'd be, he'd have been a really big boost for the Miami heat. Cause they desperately need shooting. And like the Hawks, he's a luxury item where it's like, well, it was the right move to not play him. And we, we both yeah. love AJ. I, I would not have played him last night and they didn't play him. And, Credits to the Hawks. It's it's probably because they won. But did you see anybody complaining about not about them not playing AJ last night? Of course not. No. And it's and it, again, it's because they won. I understand that, but like they, there's no reason to play him. And that's not because AJ, AJ's not good. He's going to be really good in the future. He's already a playable guy now. But in the in the in the playoffs, you don't need you don't need to play ten guys. And like 
what, what would have been the reason to play AJ Griffin? Like they don't, they don't need it. If they're fully healthy as they were right now, again, knock on wood, Sadiq Hunter looks like he's fine again, physically. They don't, they don't need to play him. And that's, a, it's a huge luxury because like he had how many games in a row? Do you, I think he played like 60 games in a row this yep. year before he got the DNP CD as a rookie, which is awesome for him. And that's why it's not a big deal either. Like he's played enough for like development. Like, yeah, it'd be nice to have him, have him get some playoff reps, but like you're trying to win. So I, I get it. But if he plays against Boston, I won't be surprised. It's a different matchup, but like they might need him against Boston. It's possible. They might need him. They might need um, Aaron Holiday just for you know defensive purposes. And like they, they might need to play like Jalen at the five. Like that's what you know. I don't want to. Or, or Collins. Or, or Collins at the five. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think or, because whoever, whoever you consider to be the five when those two are on the floor. Together. Well, we'll get into it. I was going to ask you about Boston. Obviously, we'll get into that at the end of the podcast, but. Um, because one of the things about that series is that it's so different and the pressure they put on you on offense. And, you know, you know how I feel about Clint. A time or two against Boston this year, Clint was like almost unplayable because the way the Boston plays. Now, if they play Robert Williams and he's healthy now, that's obviously where you want Clint on the floor. Clint versus Robert Williams is fine. But if they go Horford at center or they go Grant Williams at center and the way that they fly around the perimeter, this is where it comes into play to have all this versatility and have guys that you can play at center beside even Collins was obviously just an inherently awesome fit against Boston, but you have Collins, you have Jalen, like you might realistically by game two, game three, I don't think it's gonna happen in game one, but if they're down two nothing going in game three or something like that, and Clint just can't hang, they might play Clint 12 minutes. And it won't surprise me, even though Clint is all like everybody knows I love Clint. Brad, I'll say this considering how the rotation shook out in this heat game where JC basically didn't play after the, the two fouls in the first half, I could yeah. see something happen like that with Capella where if, yeah, if, Robert, if, if, like, if Robert Williams is out the game, like in the first game, like if, if Robert Williams is out the game, like Quinn just yanks Clint. Like he well, only plays. I think, I think because I appreciated the way that Quinn treated it. Like it was a must win game. Cause it was yeah. like, yeah. I know you don't, you don't go home if you lose. I get that. But you need to treat that game like it was a must win. And for me, especially game one, because that's the one in my mind, we'll get into it in a second more. But if you're trying to be serious about stealing the series, that's the one you got to get. You, you got to get game one because you have a little bit of a freshness advantage and like they, they might be a little bit rusty. They haven't played in a week. You had, you had this great win. You're healthy. They're a little bit banged up. Jalen Brown's got the weird thing on his, on his hand or whatever. Um this is the it's it's, a, it's an afternoon game, kind of a sleepy spot. Like this is the one you got to steal. So yeah, I'm with you. Coaches too often wait till game two or game three to do these changes. Like Ty Lue is infamous for it. They go down 0-2 in every series, and, they, and then he's finally like, oh by the way, here's my here's my best lineup, and they start winning. Like you can't if you're especially if you're the seven seed, which the Hawks are. I don't care what anybody says. The Hawks are the underdog against Boston. If you didn't tell it way against Miami, hat tip to you. They're not better than Boston. They could win the series if they play great. Boston's better than them, obviously. So you need to treat it like that. And you don't say it out loud, but if you're Quinn, you got to be assertive and aggressive. And I think it's not only about Clint, but you got to treat the whole series like, hey, we're on from the minute go. And if there's a guy he can't hang, whether it's Clint, whether it's if Jalen's just out of it for whatever reason, you got to pull the plug because he's a young guy. Um, if Bogey's knees messed up one night and he can't and he can't move, you can't play him. That kind of stuff, or Brad, if it's Trey Young just getting well smoked defensively, <laughs> they're not, they're not pulling Trey Young though. So. I mean, 
I feel like he went a little early to pull Trey Young in that third quarter. Uh, I, I I need to relook at the tape where it because uh, it was I didn't it was getting it was, yeah he wasn't that was is, is that when he had I, was, I don't have the notes in front of me was that when he had the his worst stretch because he he had one really bad stretch in the game was that when he is that what we're talking about where he was just kind of out of it like he had a couple he had a he had a weird stretch in the first like first half where he took a, like a thirty five footer when like Kevin Love was on the floor. We we joked about it last night with Glenn and and Kevin that you brought up earlier, but like they had some really bad moments last night in a game. They played great, Uh, especially like the ones that were funny. We were laughing about last night were the ones at the very end when it was probably over. And the one thing you can't do is just like throw pick sixes. And they, and they did it twice in a row. What what are you doing? It was incredible. incredible. Um, Late game execution is going to be a problem for this offseason because they have not executed all year long and that's you know actually we'll get into that too in a second all right we'll take one more break we'll come back me and tyler talking about mostly hawk celtics from this point forward so stay tuned be right back today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, and the nba playoffs are here also baseball season as well with the grand slams no hitters and double plays returning to your lives in a big way and there's no better place to get on the nba or mlb action than FanDuel, america's number one sports book if you're a new customer get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars with FanDuel. and the first bet's coming back to you if your first bet does not win with FanDuel, ellen table sportsbook app right now it's safe it's secure and easy to use you anything you're looking for in the sports world Includes point spreads and totals, money lines, futures, player props, live betting, and much more. And the Hawks begin their first round series, of course, on Saturday afternoon in Boston. Window has a series price for you. How many games the series are going to actually have in it as an option to bet on? Game one odds and much more on Hawks Celtics. And plus, you know, you can best together for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Give us a chance right now to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Bonus best we go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That is fanduel.com slash locked on. Official sports partner of the NBA and NFL. All right, late game stuff is a question. Uh, I wonder what you think about it in general. This is this applies to the series, of course. But like, is it? What do you think the problem is? Is it just the hero ball? Like, is it a mental thing? Why? Why can't they seem to execute? And I know we're talking about this after a win, but they were comfortably winning, which was good because like, I, no one would have been comfortable if the Hawks were up by five or three well, minutes to go. To be, I'll say this: to be fair to them. I thought they did execute until until those last in the middle stretch. Yeah, and like from like from like the, the seven the minute big, mark to the, the four minute mark. Stretch, I yeah, thought they, they were really doing a great job of executing, getting the matchups they want, and really not settling. I think that's the sneaky. One, you'll love this. The sneaky shot for me, and I try to say it on the podcast that floater that John hit to go up. I oh, think was it was nine, either nine or eleven, was a sneaky huge shot because if, you, if that doesn't go in, it starts teetering a little bit. And obviously, we're big. We're both pro Collins, but they had a couple of those, not a couple of those in that fourth quarter, where like they were one empty trip away from like yep. feeling like it was not going to go well, but they kept making that play, which they haven't made this year. A lot of the time, that's been a lot of their problem this year is like they can't get the that one play or that two plays in a row to get over the top. And at the end, we make fun of the bad turnovers, but like they did. To your point, they made those plays in the middle of the fourth. Yeah, I, I think. I think the biggest thing with the late game stuff, honestly, it might be too much pressure in part because they can't get stops defensively. They know they have to score. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we know we have to score, but we're trying to bleed clock. Like I, I, to me, I'm like Trey and DeJounte in particular are thinking too much 
instead of just running the offense. And I felt like I felt like that heat stretch um, where they really see where to me they sealed the game. I felt like the Hawks were at least executing, even if the shots weren't going in, they were getting what they wanted. They were consistently. Um, I felt like I, they were consistently getting good shots and getting the heat in rotation to give themselves a chance on, on the on the offensive glass. Because really, they won the game in the offensive glass where they just basically you, yes. at at some point the pressure is completely off. It's like make or miss, just get the shot up. They're not getting the offensive rebound. Like that's, I mean, I've I've they seen got, they got they got forty percent. The Hawks, I think was like 39% off the rebound rate last night and they held Miami to like 20 or something. It was very, very lopsided. And like for the Hawks, as crazy as this, as crazy as this is, the Hawks bread and butter is taking care of the ball, right? They're top five in the league in turnover rate. They have been the last two years. They lost a turnover battle last night to Miami. <laughs> it didn't yeah. matter at all. Yeah, I mean, it didn't help that Jalen had like three turnovers. And well, he like, and like, like we said earlier, like he had a couple of and I'm not trying to pick on him. Like he had a lot of, he had more, he had more good plays than bad plays, no question. I'll but he had, say, couple, say, he had a couple of bad ones. <laughs> and like to me, like to me, I, I, I really feel strongly about this. The key to really how far the Hawks go is playoffs, even though it's it's weird to say, is how much can the Hawks get from Jalen Johnson? Because like he is such a, def- like to me, he's such a difference maker on the perimeter defensively. Like it, it just you. It is so obvious. Guys are so uncomfortable when he's on them, or he's closing out them, or he's just guarding them one on one. Like, and he's like taking the hand. Like he's just poking the ball away. Like, like they're middle schoolers. He's just and, so long, man. He's so yeah, long. He's long and athletic, and he's huge, and he closes out, and he's he's done. Like, and he doesn't give up cheap fouls. Now Butler got him a couple times, but. And Jimmy, there was there was one play. Jimmy, very obviously, like wanted to get Jalen, knowing yeah. he was going to foul him. Like he looked, yeah. he set it up like three times in a row. He was trying, he was trying to get the switch, trying to get the switch, trying to get the switch. Finally gets Jalen, and then like immediately drew a foul. And I was like, well, that's the that's I want to say that's, that's the, the experience. Like, like that's, that's, yeah, that's that's that's, that's the experience. Because it's like, you know, John Collins, all John and Clint are battle tested. Like they've seen the Jimmy Butler types in the playoffs and they know how to, you know, stay solid. But, you know, that th- there is a real, pre- there is a real pressure in the playoffs like that Jalen has not particularly felt. And I thought, you know, that with the importance of that game, I thought he played well, like even oh, he did. through the stuff, like even with the, the missed free throws and all that, like, and like, to me, it's like, how can the Hawks get him? Can they get 15 plus minutes every night in the playoffs? Because, That'll be a difference in transition where you get easy baskets, get easy lob, like easy three pointed tips and lobs of tips in transition just because he's such a force of nature. Uh, and, you know, as a full court player, that's something that the Hawks just don't have. Like he's a, he's a, he's a weapon the Hawks don't have and teams aren't necessarily like if you're not scheming for it, like he's going to catch him, catch these guys unawares. And even if you are scheming for it, he's smart enough to take what the defense gives them and, and get, you know, bogey and Bay open three point shots. Like how much can he impact the game in the limited amount of space? Because the downside is like, to me, Jalen kind of currently reminds me a lot of what Kyle Anderson brings to the table for the Timberwolves. And, and just in general, what Kyle Anderson brings was just like, very, like they're different players, but like Kyle Anderson brings great defense, great yeah. ball mover, 
long, you know, athletic. The difference is like, you know, Jalen's just a he's actually NBA speed. He's, I was gonna say he's actually he's actually fast. No, I mean honestly though, I agree with everything. But, but like the, the downside with with Kyle because you if you if people watch that Minnesota Lakers game, you know Kyle Anderson can't shoot, and like teams don't respect yeah. his jumper, and like teams clearly do not respect Jalen Johnson's three point shot, and they probably shouldn't right now. No, they should to be honest. Yeah. So and I get it. So it, it's big because. This as we get to sort of talk about Boston, like I agree with everything you just said, and also they just kind of need him more in this series than they did against Miami defensively, just because of the matchup. Like with Miami, we talked about it earlier, but Jimmy's the only guy that really terrifies you. Boston's got two of them, and Boston's supporting pieces, Marcus Smart, for all of his flaws is capable of beating you up off the dribble. If you have someone that can't guard him, like Marcus smart will beat you. Like he's not a guy that you're terrified of, but he's got more verve than Gabe Vincent does. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like he has to be guarded with a serious person. Same with Derek white. Derek white's found, found the Lord this year has been awesome all year long. He was bad in the playoffs last year, but like has confidence again. And then you got their shooters everywhere. If they want to go to, if they want to go to Hauser, they can grant Williams can shoot. Al's been playing great, et cetera. Like Jalen, both as someone who can guard Brown or Tatum, if you need him to, but also be the secondary havoc creator. It's big because I, I wonder what they will do. I, I think they probably won't want to put Jalen on one of those guys unless they have to. Like they might even go with like Sadiq Bay. Almost. I- Bay's not, not, not better at that than Jalen, but because they kind of just want Jalen to do Jalen stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, what I want, because like, I, I was I was going to say, what I want Jalen, because what scares me the most about the Celtics isn't even their individual players. It's how they play the game of basketball. Yeah. They get up so many threes, and three-point shooting is their thing. So, like, to, but to get how they get to those threes is by passing and ball movement. Ball movement. Mm-hmm. It's me. I want Jalen. Off the ball, hawking the passing lanes, just so that everybody and like closing out the shooters, making people aware of his presence physically on, as a perimeter player. Because like that's that's gonna to me even because it's like the whole point of attack defense has to be they have to be solid, like they have to be good on that end to have it have a chance. But like to, even more important, like they got they have to be physical on the perimeter, not just on the ball but off the ball. Like everybody has to be connected. While yeah. also staying connected with each other and communicating, like it's a lot of stuff. Like it's a lot of processing that has to go on. But you got to get to basketball, and like to me, what what excites me about Jalen is he has such quick twitch. Is he's able to just get the ball, like and like the Celtics for all their strengths don't have these elite. Like they're not elite passers. Like they they're good no. individually. No, no, no. That, that's, but that's not, one of their this, questions. This, yeah. It's not LeBron James. Like, it's not LeBron James out there, you know, cross court. Like, it's very basic rudimentary stuff that works for them. But it's easy if you're able to properly read the game and you your guys are set up properly. You take away the easy stuff. You force something to be uncomfortable with your size and your athleticism if you're Jalen. Now you have an opportunity to steal the ball, get the ball in transition, score easy buckets. Like, to me, the key, the key to the Celtics Hawks series is – how much pressure can the Hawks put on the Celtics to the to, so that if the Celtics miss a couple threes, 
do they think about it? You know, if if you close out so hard without yeah. fouling, of course, like do, do do they do they think about like you got to make them feel the pressure because I mean the, the last game didn't matter, but you saw how like that's their DNA. Well, Shooting all three, three, so all three, that's what they do. Yeah, so all three games. Obviously, the last one yeah. is kind of a write off because nobody played, but it it does remind you of like the way they want to play. Different players. But like they are, they are gonna keep firing. Boston does not care. They're gonna take three. If they're open, they're gonna shoot, and that's good and bad. If they make them, you're in deep trouble. It does give you some variance because if they if they have a and look, they're not gonna make forty five percent of threes in every game in the series. I don't think. Brad. But I, I'm just saying, like, like the Cleveland Cavaliers of LeBron. Well, I know, and I, I know, and it's possible they can Kevin do it. Love make eight threes. We were all, we were all, we were all there. Um, but look, I mean, to, again, so that the last game didn't matter, but it was a barrage. Hauser, Pritchard, Muscala, they're all Yankee. So, but the, the first two games, when the teams were trying, Boston made 20 or more threes in both of them. And like, they can do that to you if you're not ready to go. And it's not necessarily an individual thing for the defense. Boston's really good, which is part of it. Like, they, the way they play, Especially without Wade, without Robert Williams, who's really good, and their numbers with him are better than when they're not. But offensively, they're better without him because they play so free, and everybody can shoot on the whole roster. He's the only guy they play that can't shoot. The only one out of like the ten the guys that they play. So uh, it's just it's a different matchup altogether. They know that, and that's what is so big about having these three days to prepare is that Quinn's like, all right, guys, this is a different challenge. Kudos to you for the way you played against Miami. We have to guard Boston differently. And they all know it, but I'm with you. They have to be physical. They can't shy away. And they can't get broken by it, too, because they got to know. And I don't know how you coach it, but they got to know that Boston's going to have a half or two at a minimum where they just make everything, and you can't get out of it. You, you got to play through it and not get broken by it. Because if, if you start breaking down and overhelping – like that's that's the tendency of this Hawks team. You know, Bogey's a as a notorious overhelper, for instance. Yeah, you can't overhelp against Boston, or they're going to absolutely kill you. They're already tough as it is, but you got to make the guys that you know. You got to make Derek White beat you. You got to make Marcus Smart beat you. You got to make Grant Williams beat you. You got to make you gotta even make Al, Lavelle Horford. Got to make Al Horford beat you. You can't you just. Al you can't Horford's just. Driver. Like you can't. Just yeah. let him be a pick all these guys. You got to go. Honestly, make them all, the, yeah. the only guy. The only guy on Boston's roster that I would prefer not drive is Jalen Brown. Everybody else, I want them driving. J yeah. Tatum, Tatum included. Now, Tatum can obviously do it, but he's an awesome player. But everybody else, I'd rather have them driving. I, I, I guess maybe Marcus Smart, you let him just shoot, let him just shoot threes because it's Marcus Smart. He might just miss. But like White, Grant, if they play Hauser at all, all those guys, make them, you got to make them drive. Horford especially because he's, you know, is not the most like adept at this point, like around the rim for a center. So I don't know. It's it's a challenge. And I, I think the Hawks also know deep down that they're going to have to score in this series. I mean, Boston's really good defensively, but they're not perfect defensively. Like they can play lineups that are perfect defensively. If they if they go out there, it's kind of the same thing with Robert Williams before. If they play their best defensive lineup, they're incredible on defense. Like if they, if they play white, white, smart, the two wings and Robert Williams, something like that, or Horford and Big. They have they have like six guys who are awesome defenders. So if they play if they play those lineups together, 
then they're great defensively, but then they're a lot worse on offense. So like there is a little bit of wiggle room with Boston where like you gotta have to force them out of their comfort zone. I don't know. It's not like they're they're not perfect. I'll, I'll say that. Like you, you can play with them, but I, I agree with you. Like being physical and the way they play against Miami is not replicable in a lot of ways, but they can pride themselves on being that physical again because they were incredibly athletic and forceful and physical. And Boston is, you know, Miami's, you would think it'd be more used to that and it still overwhelmed them. Like Boston's much more, much more of a, of a finesse team than Miami is. Um, they're better than Miami by a lot, but they're much more like, you know, soft's not the right word. They're not soft, but they're they're much more of a finesse team. They're, just they're not a they're not a team. Well, at least re- like at least re- you know in this new iteration of their team, like they're not a very physicality is not what you worry about. Where you worry about with the Heat, like the Celtics, their they, offensive like, skill team. Their offense is pure. Like it's not pure, but like they're a driving kick. Get your open three pointer. Make it like they don't. I thought they attack actually, the rim differently than any other team in the NBA. So, like, the Hawks have got to be able to recognize that and adjust properly. But, yeah, no, I, uh, I'm sure a lot of people probably didn't listen to it, but it, it was in my feed in this, in this podcast feed today. They did a, uh, it was one of those pre series uh, sort of uh, playoff previews with Boston with John Corrales, who coached, who coasts uh, locked on Celtics. And I thought it was interesting and revealing. And John's a smart guy. Um, he essentially just like he was asked about it. And he was like, no, this is an offense first team this year. Like Boston in the past has like, you know, organizationally thought of themselves as a, as a defense first team with the, with Udoka, especially all that stuff. Like the way they were prided themselves last year, they had a good offense too. But like he basically just said flat out, like with Missoula, they, they may say they're defense first team. They're built offense first this year. The way they play, the way that they – you know, three-point shooting is not only it's not only that, but they're I think they're number two in the league in three-pointers per game behind only behind only only Golden State. Like they rely on three-pointers a lot, and yeah, they drive to create kickouts. They're not all driving to get to the rim and finish. They're they're trying to get you on the move and rotating and over rotating, and then defensively again, they're not they're still really good defensively. Like if you if you look at the the tail of the tape or whatever to go like boxing term. Boston's got the better offense and the better defense on paper. The Hawks are closer on offense, obviously. The Hawks, I think, at their best on offense are just as good as Boston is. Defensively, Boston is better than Atlanta. They just are. But there's a way if the Hawks have their best offensive game, and what are they, number two in the league since the break, whatever it is, number three in the league since the break, you play like that, then suddenly you're in a potential shootout, and you know that might favor you in this matchup. Obviously, the three-pointer, three-point line favors Boston. All the way across, they just take so much more, so many, so many more of them. But I don't know. The Hawks can score with anybody, so it's not like they're. But you can't, you can't give up. This could be very simplified. You can't allow Boston to take forty-five threes a game. Like they yeah. can't take that many threes. You're going to lose. You're just going to lose. And you can't give up easy three pointers. You you got to yes. take away the easy stuff. Like that it can't like be. The, it can't be the LeBron Cavs three pointers. To your point earlier, it can't be that. Because <laughs> they. They, I mean, that is flat out. And to, to not do that, you have to execute as a team defensively. And, like, we'll see if they can do that. But I do think I do think offense is important. Like, offensively, it's important that they continue what they did against the Heat. They were very smart in how they attacked the Miami Heat, like, and, and consistently execute the game plan where it's not 
we're just taking a bunch of mid-rangers. You know, like that's how, like the key for the Hawks is to get the Celtics in rotation so that you can get offensive rebound opportunities, even if they if, even if your good shooters miss shots, because you have elite rebound. Like Capella's possibly the best rebound in the NBA. You got a Congo, you got Jalen, you got John, you got Sadiq Bay, you even got DeAndre Hunter if he's guarded by a little guy, you know? So <laughs> shots fired. No, I mean, I know, yeah, I know. you think I'm joking. Like, DeAndre was incredible. Uh, rebounding he played, he the ball. Really I, well. I, 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 that passed the bogey. I, I've never I almost said that. He, that was the I best pass he's ever thrown. I'm pretty sure. And look, I'm not, I'm not hyperbolic. I think, I'm not sure. I think that was the best pass he's ever thrown in the NBA. I think. I, I think so. It, it was, it shocked everybody because they left oh, bogey yeah. wide open. Everybody, I mean, everybody, and it was all, it, and it didn't, it didn't quite get played up on the broadcast because, like, they're not, you know, it was yeah. a nice pass, but it wasn't like it was nice out pass. of the ordinary for a lot of guys. But like for everybody that's like a diehard, like Glenn was like falling on the floor. Glenn's like, did you anybody see that pass? Like we're in Slack talking about like, did anybody see that other pass? Like what just happened? Um, I don't know. Anyway, Capella had some good passes in the game. He I did. Uh, he had the one after the offensive rebound that was uh, to bogey on that cut for the dunk, and that was a nice, that was that was a really nice play. Anyway, um. Okay, so X factors. I agree with your Jalen take. Being physical is huge. You know, this is a very obvious one. You, you you just can't get bludgeoned from three. They know that. And Quinn even said in a game that didn't matter, he did that. He did that in game interview on ESPN against Boston the last game of the season. And the first thing he said was, "We can't allow them to shoot, shoot this many threes. Not make shoot this many threes. And I always I always say that people people like roll their eyes. I'm like, look. You don't want to have the opponent take twice as many three-pointers as you in the modern NBA. That's not good. You're going to lose. Like, because these guys are pros. They're going to make shots. Like, and he knows that. So they're not going to take more than Boston in the series. We all know that. Boston's going to shoot more than Atlanta does. It just can't be lopsided, like crazy lopsided, um, especially when you're playing against a team that has a bunch of shooters and, like, maybe they go cold. But. They the, and, and like the thing is, they haven't played them this the, well this year. But like, the Hawks have played the Celtics well in the Trey Young era, like fairly consistently, where they've gotten good stuff. A lot of it is, you know, Trey Young, John Collins pick and roll. Like the Celtics haven't never really solved that equation. But the Hawks don't. I mean, there, there's some like I, I feel like there's some stuff offensively the Hawks are going to have to do to shake up what the Celtics are expecting. The Hawks to do if that makes any sense. Like they're gonna yeah. have to do a little. They're gonna have to do stuff a little different, or or go back to their roots, which I said with Colin. You know, involving Collins more in the offense. Um, uh, even though I I have liked what he's done as just a pure spot up guy, but like I, I think no, I, I like that, be- uh, that idea too. Like Glenn, Glenn said this too, and then it was, it was, go back to Miami Miami mini mini series, but like Glenn called it basically, and like. The game plan that they used in the last game against Miami in the regular season is what they largely used, and it worked on offense. And that's why having three days to prepare, it doesn't fix every problem. But this is, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pile on Nate. That's been done enough. But I do think that they have a staff and a head coach in particular that like is capable of like throwing some wrinkles in that we would not have seen before. Um, and maybe it's something that they saw in the last game of the season. Maybe something that they find during this during the series. 
but they're not going to just go out there and bang their heads against the wall on offense. They're going to change them. If they need to change up, they will. Like Trey Young's a brilliant, like Trey Young's brilliant. Like he just needs an edge. He, he just needs an edge. Give him, give him a little, give him a, so he's not, you know, I, I appreciate Quinn taking more of the reins of the offense from Trey and having like, I, there's a lot, like Quinn's doing a lot of coaching with Trey. And like, I really, you know, the rumor mill might not like it, but I feel like they have a pretty good relationship. Um, but um, like it's, it's uh, Trey, Trey averaged 31 and 11 against Boston this year, two games. And he wasn't like incredibly efficient. Like he was solidly efficient, but this is in a situation where like Miami's had Trey's number in recent days. That's not what Boston could say. Like they're not, they have guys throw at him. They have white and they have smart and they have even Tato if they want to, but Trey is, seemingly more comfortable against Boston than he was against Miami. And he played well against Miami too, just for the record. He, he wasn't perfect last night, but he played well. But he's not like struggled against Boston is what, I, is what I wanted to make sure we got out there. Like he's, this is a more comfortable spot for him than previous, even if Boston is in my mind better than Miami defensively because their personnel is better. But there's, there's no like ju- like no negative juju hanging out with this series like it is with, uh, with, with Miami. Well, it helps when you're not trying to dribble through the entire team. So. Uh, like first I, half, well, we should say this: they had 17 assists in the first 17 minutes yesterday. That is insane for anyone. Quinn ball, Brad. Did you like? There are a lot of highlights where the Hawks were just pinging the ball around the around the oh, floor. I, I was tweeting. Who like, is this, this team? Who is this was, team? Where have they been? You know. So, uh, well, they, they they actually kind of regressed to their to their old team after that. Well, yeah. But, uh, hey, it, it was an, it was a nice quarter and a half to just watch some. Uh, the ball's zinging around. But anyway, I, I'm going to hold off on, like, predictions or whatever because it, it doesn't do any good. There's still three days left. And no one, no one's picking the Hawks in the series. It's just not going to happen. But and not. by the way, and they should – and the Hawks should love that. Like, they, I'm sure you saw the social media team did the rounds of, like, nobody, nobody picked us in the Miami game. That, that's good. The locker room, they, they should love that. If you're a Hawks fan, I get that you want their respect – I think it's better for the Hawks that no one's picking them. Absolutely. Trey doesn't trade with expectations. No. Trey likes Trey to be an underdog. Trey being an underdog. And you know he's going to get the FU chat in Boston. Oh, on, on a Saturday afternoon, people can just liquor it up by 4 p.m. Yeah. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be, uh, no. I'm like, Trey, Trey's going to be in the zone. I'm like, he might hit two, three pointers against the Celtics. Okay. Before we, before, before we go, and we do have to go. Are you worried about shooting? Because I am. He's he's just he's he's either not taking very many and he's not making very many. Like and it's been well, like three four weeks now. He's not shooting the ball well from from, from the perimeter. It, if it means anything, I am thankful that he at least took eight threes. You know, he got him up. He didn't make them, but he got him up. That, that that is better for sure. But uh, I mean, it's hard not to be concerned. But it's also like he does go through these stretches where he can't make a three pointer. Um. And it's kind of unfortunate, but then he has stretches where he's hitting like every step back three pointer that he takes. So I don't know. Hopefully the break, maybe maybe he's working out some stuff. Like it's 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 tough with Trey. I, I he's a weird shooter. Like like he's a very good three point shooter who goes through stretches where he can't make anything, and then he will just turn into Ben Simmons where he won't shoot it. And it's well, like, I mean the last do? just for some numbers here, the last twelve games of the regular season. He only attempted 4.7 per game and made 32% of them. 
and he, he took eight in the playing game. That's a, that's a step forward. But uh, I will go as far as to say the Hawks not only need him to take more, but he, he's going to have to make threes if they're going to win the series. So that's a very simple point, but like, there's no way they're winning the series if he's if he's not at least taking them. He's got he's got to take them. The upside if he's making his three pointers, Hawks. They're Hawks very hard to guard. Because like it's just in, almost impossible to to handle Trey Young if he's making his three pointers. But like, yeah, he's unguardable. He's unfortunately for him, he's got to make them. Like that's just flat. That's the series they're in. That's the team that they have. They need him to take three pointers and make them. So well, and and I do think that probably not to the Miami level of last year, but. If I'm Boston, if I'm Joe Missoula, I probably make other guys beat me for a while. Like I, I probably load up to Trey, not maybe in the same way that Miami did last year when they just had no other threats. But you know, I think coming into the series, Boston's probably going to game plan to be like, we would like Trey not to beat us, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make DeAndre Hunter and John Collins and whoever else make shots. And if they make them, maybe they change things. But that's I would expect that to be the game plan from Boston. Like obviously, Trey's good enough where it may not matter. He's, he might just still have 35 points. But they should at least, in my mind, probably try to take Trey away early. I, I think the biggest thing, even more than Trey making and taking three-pointers, is he can't force the issue, though. There's there's like a weird there's – a, there's, a, there's a line he has to navigate. Like, it's a tough line, but that's why he's making the big bucks. That's why he's a that, superstar. That's why – he's on the Yep. You know, that's why everybody's thinking he's as – He's well, and it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not fair, but it is fair because I, I, that's the whole box we, we can do at a, a different point. But he does get discussed differently because that's that's the job. If if you're the guy, that's the case anywhere. Trey's bad game, Trey's Trey's middling game is going to get ten times the attention of a middling game from DeAndre Hunter or Sadiq Bay or whatever. That's 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 the, that's the thing. We all know that, and like that news cycle was absurd, but. Like he's just gonna get, especially now. You thought it was bad before. That was a playing game against Miami. They're playing the Celtics. Yeah. Every single game is gonna be analyzed to death. So just prepare. Everybody, everybody, take a deep breath because if Trey doesn't come out and have forty in game one, it's gonna be all over again. They're gonna do it again. So just so, be prepared. I, I don't know. Maybe this is an off pod discussion, but like, <laughs> I really wish basketball discourse can change. I. Adams, somebody got to do something. It's a play to make, like, it's a game that with real stakes and real importance. And the thing we're talking about is a potential trade two years from now or something. Like, I, like, instead of like the matchup, instead of talking about like what do either, like, I heard not like, you know, this is a national spotlight. It's an opportunity to talk about Jalen Johnson on Yekka and Kongu. Whether he like, I'm pretty sure he fans were surprised. Akongu just destroyed them in his back 20 minutes, and like oh. had four blocks. And I'm like, Akongu's done that all year, basically. I, I, I need before... uh, Akongu should be in the running for six man of the year. He will get no votes for it. Oh, he, he might get a third place or something. But you're, you're right. I think he. I uh, I have a at some point when there's not games happening every single day or whatever. I'm going to do a mailbag question, and I've already I've done some research for it. Somebody asked me if the Hawks had any candidates for any any league-wide awards, and I was like, realistically, no. But if they if you had to pick some, you know, I think AJ second team all rookie is the most likely thing to happen. But 
Akongwu does have a legitimate six man of the year case. He won't he won't win. He won't have he won't come anywhere close. But like as far as like impact is concerned, pretty good player. And also, can we just take a second to just talk about him stonewalling Bam to the point of a jump ball? That that jump, that jump ball was a was a pity whistle from the officials. That was a he stole the bit. ball from him. He just took uh, it all away from him. He just stood up to it. And like <laughs> oh man. I don't know. He has he has those moments. Like that's that's the type of defensive talent that he is. Like we see him do it against Jokic. We see him do it against Giannis. Like and he does it sometimes. He he'll do it against NBA. Like he'll have these moments where he gets in a defensive zone where you just can't do anything against him individually. And like he'll My, just take yeah. stuff away from you. My 48 minute center point was never stronger than it was yesterday. Absolutely. Yeah. Never stronger because they were both really good at the same time. All right. I mean, Tyler. they're not as good as the Timberwolves. <sighs> Come on. Come on. Uh, so is Rudy going to play in, on Friday? I assume he's going to play. Need him on, they need they him on. They did beat him. They did I understood the message they sent because really, I'm pretty sure Rudy, like, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Hawks fan. I'm going to talk about the Timberwolves for a bit because I, I did find the story a little fascinating. I felt like if Jaden McDaniels didn't punch a wall, Rudy plays. But because Jaden punched the wall, if this makes sense, where they're like, they're really sending a message to like really Anthony Edwards and Carl Towns, like, guys, listen, you guys can't compound a mistake by punching a wall. Like, that's the, and we can't suspend Jaden. So we're going to suspend Rudy, who everybody hates. Uh, though, like, it turns out at the end of the game, uh, Carl Towns got super exhausted, and they were playing Nathan Knight back up well, five. It's because, it's because Towns actually, to his credit, played really good defense what? for the first time in three years and was tired because he was playing defense. <laughs> he doesn't usually do that. Yeah. So, anyway, um, Wolves, Wolves segment over. Uh, five five first-round picks. Five first-round picks. <laughs> Do you, it could do you be worse. Give, do you want to give your official pick, or do you want to you want to hold it for something else? What, what, what official pick? I'm gonna say the Hawks. Are, I want the Hawks to win, so I'm gonna I say know. the Hawks are gonna win. Okay, that's fine. That's why I wanted you to say it. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're gonna win game one, then they're gonna win game two, game three, and game four. It's gonna be a four game sweep. They win every game. I saw a number. Oh playoffs. man, I must look at so. I, I if if you uh, if, if you have a FanDuel account because you're in a state where you can, right? You're you're in Tennessee. Yep. yep. Uh, Allegedly, Fanduel is sponsor of this podcast. Um, I'm sure the price on Hawks in four is just very juicy. If you want to get it on that, I'm sure that's a right. very nice price. For you. I gambled on the Hawks last season. <laughs> I remember this. I lost. That was it for you. Money. That was it for you. I'm for never gambling again. It's not for uh, me. It's not for me. It that's you, that last you don't need it. I, Listen, for a lot of for a lot of people, they they need it or it can help you get invested and it can be it can be kind of fun to kind of sweat. You are plenty invested. Now the, the thing the You're thing good. is like I I gambled and it made me hate the sport of basketball. I was like, well, that's that that's good. That's, 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 that you shouldn't do that because that, it was not fun. Because Brad, I was getting mad at like these COVID protocols. The Hawks getting that's what killed me. <laughs> that's what killed. Me. And and I'm like Adam Silver legitimately owes me money, but like what 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 can I do? Like, am I gonna make a you know COVID's a very <laughs> was it's still a very serious problem for a lot of people, but it, like that destroyed me last year. I have I, I have a question before we go. 
Did you did you end up wagering on a Hawks game that featured any of the following players? Wes Awundu, uh Cam Oliver, Malcolm Hill, any of those guys? Lance Stevenson, any of those guys play in those, right. one of those games? Because I gambled, I, I simply gambled on the over. <laughs> of course I did. It was Malcolm Hill. Uh, and I gambled what, amount of money because the, the odds were 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 weren't in my face. Because the over like if you remember now I'm relitigating the bet. But great. like the Hawks over under was low. It was Cat low. Murder. And everybody was like, yo, I'm like, let me, it's easy money. It's guaranteed. Let me put some good change in this. And I learned there's no such thing as a guarantee in this world. No, I, no, I couldn't. I mean, but like if COVID didn't happen, like if COVID didn't happen, they, they would have got the over. But COVID didn't what's, happen. What's, what's the wound do? Cam Oliver. Brad, I was every game. I'm like, I'm white knuckling. I'm like, come on, guys, just Lance Stevenson. The Hawks. That will be an incredible trivia question one day that I will give someone. That Lance Stevenson played six games for the Hawks last year. That happened. Lance Stevenson. That really took place. He played so well. He got a contract with the Pacers, Brad. He sure did. Um, All right, let's get out of here. Thank you, sir, for joining me. You brought up some real bad news. I got. I did. Off. You'll you'll do that after this podcast is over. Um, I I don't know when you'll be back, but it won't be very long. Um, maybe maybe later in the series, maybe after the series, maybe whenever. We'll talk. We got preview round two, right? We will have preview round two if that happens. That's true. Uh, I have to get your takes once you actually watch some draft prospects. I'll have to get your takes on those guys in the near future. Um, uh, do not take Scoot. I mean, do not take Brandon Miller over Scoot Anderson. That's I my, agree with that's you on my, that. I agree with that with that with that assessment. Uh it, it, oh we have we have this before we get out of here. Uh do you have anything to plug? Anime or what's going on? What are you watching? Um uh, not I'm I mean what what, what am I gonna tell you guys? I'm watching you're, all you're, the you're, 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 you're watching baseball right now. I'm, I, well, yeah, I'm currently watching baseball. I'm currently wa- I watched Acuna get thrown out at second base and like I'm not happy. So uh but the anime I'm watching, you know, I'm watching all the anime. If it's from Shonen Jump, I'm watching it. So Demon Slayer, um, Hell's Paradise, all the Shonen Jump shows, I'm probably going to be watching them. I don't have any takes. I mean, Demon Slayer is still great, but the other stuff, I'm watching Gundam. You know, I'm watching Gundam, big Gundam guy now. Uh, Witch and Mercury, first season was incredible. Uh, so I'm about to get caught up on that. You know, still watching Vinland Saga, of course, on Netflix. Still great. Um uh, and I'm still playing this video game, Brad, of part two of 11 of these 100-hour video games. And I committed myself to this series. It's, 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 a, it's a game from, like, 2005 that I'm playing, Brad. So it's, like, 2005 uh, onboarding uh, graphics. That's, that's, right, that's right in the wheelhouse for people like me and you at this age. Yeah, I, I need a I – need a, I, I, People being like OBJ is old is killing me. It is killing. I've heard I've because I, I like to listen to fantasy football podcasts because they're funny guys, and they're like they're just they're just killing how, how OBJ is like thirty one. He's an old man on the hill. I'm like I'm thirty one, and, and then like Kyrie Irving's up for extension. Everybody's talking about you know he's thirty one. He's old, like you know you, can you extend somebody that old? Welcome to my world, man. I'm older than you and. What? I'm older than you, and it, it, it doesn't get better from here, my friend. I'm just telling you that right now. Me and Kyrie Irving was in college at the same time. I knew the people that Kyrie knew. Like, I, I, 
I don't understand what's happening. So when you're when you're me, you appreciate when you appreciate the work of people like Adonis Haslam and Charlie Morton, who are still older than me, doing what they do. Because very soon there'll be no one older than me. I'm getting there. Very soon. The Hawks have the Hawks haven't had anybody older than me since Vince. The last time the Hawks had a guy who was older than me is Vince. The Hawks so. refuse to employ anybody 30 years old, so uh, they they only have like thirty one and under, other than Vince Carter, who is a special exemption. Um, all right, we're off the rails. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I sincerely appreciate your time on this podcast. It'll be back soon. Everybody, if everybody's always asking, Tyler's always coming back at some point. I promise you, it's going to happen. It's usually my fault when it when it's, when it's too long in between. Uh, we're even doing this podcast. I am on the road from parts unknown, which you can probably see if you're on YouTube right now. But uh, we'll do it again very soon. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast. I will have at least one more episode after this one before the game on Saturday. I don't know when, but subscribe across podcast platforms. And I promise you we'll have it when it drops. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.